Hey family, welcome to the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I'm your host, Zach Pruitt, and just so excited that you are joining us today. So let's dive in. Well, welcome back to another episode, and I am so excited to have Dia Irby joining us today on the pad- podcast as we talk about being made for community. Dia, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. I didn't wake up dead today, so it's going to be a good day. <laughs> it is a good day. Well, it is so good to have you on with us. Uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what makes Dia talk and tick every single day. Wow. I tell people I'm from South America and they go, well, I mean, yeah. So I was born in Mississippi and I've lived in Alabama and two places in Georgia and two places in Florida. And if you know your U.S. geography, that's pretty much South America. Yeah, yeah. that pretty much covers it. (laughs) My husband is retired now. He was a pastor. So we serve churches all over the place. And uh, that's why we move so much. And it was, you know, 15 moves. And sometimes we'd move three times in one place. But, you know, it was. And I still have a lot of stuff in my garage. (laughs) And I know that they don't want your stuff talking about your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't I just, you know, not why am I holding on to it? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, I work with business leaders to help them build a culture of belonging. I am the belonging mentor to help leaders understand the kind of leadership that will help them, well, basically boost the bottom line because it counters this culture that I recommend building and the leadership strategy I recommend helps him build a place that counters the great resignation. And we may not have the great resignation as much as it was, but we still have the aftershock Hmm. and quiet quitters. Why is it people just show up and check the boxes? Why aren't they engaged? What can a leader do to make a difference? in uh, in the workplace, an atmosphere, mm-hmm. be the thermostat that sets the, the culture temperature that shows up on everybody's thermometer. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. So I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, but to go back to kind of one of the first things you said is you talked about how you've lived in, I think it was five different states, and then you've moved some 15 different times 15 different homes so was this is more out of curiosity but is there one state or maybe a season even that stands out as being especially good or bad or maybe a state that you really loved or remember the most anything like that what's interesting is it seems like i know this is very trite bloom where you're planted Mm-hmm. It seems like wherever we were was where God wanted us to be for that yeah. season of our life. We had a, we sort of felt like every time we moved, we had a baby and it's like, <laughs> oh, no, twice I gave away all the baby equipment because we were done. 
when oh we, my goodness we're moving so we'll get rid of that and we moved and one of my sons said mom so when you can have a baby i said what do you mean because we have you have one every time we move and i went uh, <laughs> we do but that not not well not really but we did yeah, have it eight. seemed like it it seemed like it we did have eight in batches we had the first four and then we were done and five years later after we moved we had the second batch and we were really done at seven because that's the number of completion right mm -hmm, isn't seven mm -hmm. the perfect number yep. but then we moved and eight years later what so anyway um everywhere we were living was the perfect place for us to be for mm -hmm. where our family was we were in east of Atlanta when our first batch was like high school age and they ended up going to uh, son went to Georgia Tech on a presidential scholarship we had uh, another son go to Emory University because we were there and we had um, a daughter go to um, shorter college majoring in musical theater and knowing Atlanta and getting involved in all the theater things and and our oldest got a music composition degree from a college a university in the area so that all worked for them mm -hmm. and then we had our second batch in Pensacola and then everywhere else but then when we moved here for the final destination this is our Third, fourth house, fourth place to live in this town. Um, our youngest, you know, she grew up an only child with seven siblings because they were all pretty much uh, out of the house. Yeah, yeah. We, we were homeschooling her, and this area was phenomenal. And because of our connections here, she ended up going to Messiah College in Pennsylvania. She wanted to major in film production. So I was like, yeah. And then what are you going to do for a paying job? <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? She works for a film production company, Christian Film Production Company in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Wow. So, okay. So all, you know, it's wherever we are is yeah. where God, you know, when you step out and go where God wants you to go. Mm-hmm then he's able to bless you because you're in line with what he has for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very familiar with Lancaster, Pennsylvania as well. We've been there. Awesome. So, awesome. Yes. So yes. Um, uh, the sight and sound theater. Oh, yeah. That's it. Last, it. Two of her, she had two roommates her first year after she graduated, she moved there were in the cast. No kidding. And this year, one of them is because the other one got married and moved to the Branson, Missouri site. Okay. Set. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How cool. Yeah. We've I've only been there once, um, but we visited. Gosh, maybe five years ago, and been wanting to get back so bad, but we just haven't yet. It's the 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 shows are phenomenal. It's incredible. Absolutely it, incredible. So many surprises. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was very, very impressed with the production and quality and everything. Well, and then they have their whole farm that's part behind the, the theater. Uh-huh. Yeah. For all their animals. 
because you know they have to have the camel walk across in the market <laughs> right right and they have to have the horse coming down the aisle to get on stage uh -huh. it's like what yeah <laughs> and and the birds flying out uh -huh. over the yeah sky. yeah so if if your listeners have not been to sight and sound in lancaster pennsylvania i am plugging them it's, yeah it's it's like you never i mean mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I no i i completely second that as well so so there's definitely. that <laughs> yes yeah so sight and sound theaters in uh lancaster pennsylvania and branson missouri yes it's well worth the trip um right. and it's near um hershey all of that if you want to do a second you know extended right. trip go to hershey check all that out too so absolutely yeah cool. fun time it, yeah Absolutely. So um, a couple of things that I kind of picked up on one, um, I noticed that you have a lot of musicians and artistic children. Where are you and your husband super artistic and musicians or like, where did that come from? That's interesting that my piano teacher asked me to quit. <laughs> I, I was in high school and, or yeah, she said, you're wasting my time and your mother's money. You don't need to be taken. <laughs> well, I mean, she wanted me to practice. What is that? And I, I, that's just not me, but my husband plays the guitar. Okay. And I do believe that, you know, when we would have our family time, family devotions, whatever, we would, he'd pull out the guitar, we'd have our Bible story or our lesson or whatever, and then he'd start playing. And before you know it, he'd be playing Don't Step on My Blue Sh Suede Shoes and because he was, <laughs> he liked all the rock and roll. Yeah. And actually, I think everyone was inspired or just saw it as the norm because our oldest daughter was 15. She was going into her sophomore year of high school and we just, she'd started a year early and we decided we have to, she just needs to pull out and take a sabbatical because she's mm -hmm. burned out already. Yeah. She was in the international baccalaureate program and uh, we had already started homeschooling the, the, the first batch, the three of the first batch. And, uh, and so while she was home, she just started playing on the piano. I had my grandfather's, still have my grandfather's piano that's way out of tune, but still you can you know, work on yeah. it. And she decided she wanted to write a full musical. Wow. So she came up to us and went, hey, I want to do, I want to do a musical at the church. Uh, some of the kids in the youth group were, are willing to be in it and whatever. So <laughs> She wrote the first of what eventually she wrote four full musicals, lyrics, music, wow. script. And it was the, called The Great Divide. And it's Luke, Dr. Luke tells his gospel. And he meets this girl that's been abused at the brook and he's a doctor. Let me fix. No, don't touch me. And then he finds out she was, her dad was abusing her. Let, can I tell you a story? I just finished writing a book. So he went through it. And as he would tell each scene, then the actors would 
sing a song and act out mm -hmm. the story he was telling. Anyway, that's really a long explanation of that. But it was like, oh, people write music. People do this. Uh -huh. Then our son, uh, next one started playing the guitar. He was high school senior. And then the next one ended up doing it. And then the the fourth one wanted to have a summer where they could use the old chapel we built a new sanctuary old chapel to um have a friday night hangout because there was nothing really uh -huh. to do yeah sure why not well we need music okay why don't we make a band okay <laughs> so wow. and it just it just i don't know just it's kind of like that's what people do yeah why not <laughs> nothing is impossible because yeah. if you think it then it's possible yeah so yeah, absolutely yeah. that's so cool i guess that's why and uh yeah and music worship in the church uh -huh. is just large part of it yeah for sure and that makes sense for sure so you have eight children in total yes, yes. so you know i don't know if this was like uh because you see you said you kind of had them in batches why or maybe how did you decide you know we want eight children or we're gonna have eight children so my husband wasn't going to ever get married or have kids. And then, then he became a Christian okay. and realized that, wait, wait, because he'd been teaching in public school. And he said, if this is what uh. kids are like, I don't want them. <laughs> and then he became a Christian and he goes, oh, wait, God has a way to raise kids. Uh -huh. that you, you can enjoy them. And we maybe some people would say recklessly lived with the idea but if i i feel like a child is a total miracle mm -hmm. that if god wants a life he will make a life if god doesn't want to there's so many women that can't get pregnant mm -hmm. or can't have kids whatever yeah. so if god wants to give you a child that's a blessing god help me endure my blessing sometimes but <laughs> but so we we could well it part of it was we were just open to whatever god wanted yeah and we thought god was finished like i said twice like our oldest was getting married and I got to wear mother of the bride maternity dress. Oh my goodness. Number eight. <laughs> but so part of it was just being open and why not be the ones that can raise a fabulous next generation. Mm -hmm. And if the heathen are out there making babies <laughs> that aren't going to follow God, yeah. then we need to counter that. Yeah. And so that that's part of it. The other part was they're just so awesome. I, curiosity was like, ooh, this one's really cool. What would the next one be like? Yeah. And then there was the, I guess TMI. Neither one of us would agree that we were the ones that would stop the process. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I did my part, both in the Right, right. Well, I'm not about to do. You know, it's like yeah. Okay then. <laughs> it's yeah. Nice. 
Oh so, my goodness. Yeah, after, when every other year, so we got married in an odd year and every even year after, no, we got married in an even year and every odd year after that, we had a baby and it was almost time. And I thought, oh, let's get an exchange student. They come potty trained. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, we had a 15 year old from Germany. She turned 16 while she was with us. So oh. she was there and it was like, yes, this is nice. We got to have, you know, being, I got rhythm. So, yeah, but then, um, and then we had the second batch. And in the middle of having the second batch, my daughter, her came to us and said, so I met Daphne and she's here from the Netherlands and she's an exchange student, but the host family is crazy. Can't we just take her in? sure and so we did and in appreciation for the time that daphne had with us her parents invited my 16 year old daughter to fly back to europe and spend wow. the summer with her and then at the end of the summer my daughter calls and says so i'm coming home and daphne's younger sister floor is going to come with me and she can be with us and you can homeschool her okay oh my goodness you never know the adventures that await when you say okay god yeah whatever god it's true absolutely that's so fun so you ended up homeschooling this girl right well they failed to tell me that she had lots of learning disabilities okay and was totally not a motivated learner <laughs> because she had so i had to just keep telling myself we're gonna well we'll get her a driver's license we'll teach her how to drive but um we're just gonna give her a cultural experience because i know that that like the German, when Katya came, she did all the schoolwork, but the German education system didn't recognize any of the credits. Oh, okay. So, um, Laura's not yeah. going to get credit. So, yeah, we're just going to make it a very good experience. Right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. So there, you, there was that. Yeah, you really don't ever know. No, no. No, it's just be wide open to whatever God is going to bring in your path. So living in Pensacola, Florida, uh -huh. when we had the, the second batch and Daphne was a great experience. And, uh, and then we moved to one of the places we lived in Georgia, east of Atlanta. And our oldest, well, we... We shipped off our oldest to college, our exchange student back to the Netherlands and moved everybody that was at home to Georgia and then filled up this house and our college freshman could never go home again. It's like, we have a couch for you. Oh my goodness. So anyway, there's that. So when, you know, at what point, um, you know, cause you, you, you are the belonging mentor. So at what point did you realize the importance of belonging? Like, did you just have this aha moment that it just hits you one day? Like what, what was that like? When did that occur to you? There are a couple of pivotal times in my life. 
I grew up in a very small Mississippi town and there was an anchor of belonging. Mm. I knew everybody and they knew me mm -hmm. and the belonging there was not like belonging to the library. Yeah. Belonging yeah. like the Cheers TV show, you know, everybody knows your name. Yeah. And even in high school, I could pull into the full service gas station, mm -hmm. Clyde would come out, start pumping the gas, clean my windshield, check my oil. When the tank was full, the hood down, I'd wave and say thanks and drive off. And he'd go and put on my bill, my dad's bill. Wow. <laughs> that is how we knew. Wow. Each, right? Yeah. And I can remember in uh, daycare, uh, preschool, Miss Annie's kindergarten, sitting in the front yard of her house in the clover with my classmates making pink clover necklaces. Have you ever done that? I have not. <laughs> uh, it's really cool. I, got, I had an opportunity to teach my granddaughters how to do that just last weekend. Um, but those people are the same people I graduated from high school with. Wow. I mean, the only time I moved growing up was from the back bedroom to the front bedroom. <laughs> and and then I went 50 miles away. Yeah. I thought, I mean, that was my normal. Uh -huh. Everybody knows everybody. And and everybody's always saying, hey, how's your mom and them? And if you're not from the South, that means how is your mother and all your relatives? You right, know? right, right. How's your mom and them? And they mean it. <laughs> Yeah. And tell him I said, hey, uh, and oh, I think we're third cousins, all of this stuff. Then my husband, I got married. We uh, graduated from seminary. And his first assignment, his first job as a pastor was to church, to plant a church in central Florida, 13 hours away of any, uh, away from anything or anybody that was familiar to me. Wow. And, and all of a sudden it was like, I introduced myself and I'm not hearing, oh, your uncle is the chairman of, of mm -hmm. Congress. Oh, yeah. I knew your granddad when he rode the horse through the county as, as a sheriff, you know, how's yeah. your mom and him? None, none of that. And it was yeah. like, nobody cares that I even exist. Nobody wants, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't have a tribe. I mean, yeah. it was an incredible time to find the Psalms and wow. find God. Yeah. But God made us to live in community. Mm -hmm. And the church plant was like seven people. Oh my God. So I had a, uh, uh, two toddlers, well, an infant and a toddler under two, under two and alone all day. And for the first time, I realized that the normal I had experienced was not everybody's normal, that there yeah. are plenty of people, even in a crowded room, can feel the pain of isolation, mm -hmm. be alone. And I determined that, especially as we built churches and served churches, that I would make sure people knew they belonged. Mm. And uh, the second time that this really struck me was when my husband took a sabbatical from pastoring and went back to his basketball coaching and tennis coaching. And we 
moved to this town and I was used to, as a pastor's wife, moving in and having an instant family in the church. Sure. I didn't have to find a church to go to. Mm. I knew I was going to like the preacher and, and there would be people that would be instant friends. Uh-huh. And so this was another time where, wow, this, this is, really lonely to not have a place to belong and then um during all the the covid stuff and the mm -hmm. great resignation and quiet quitters yeah i realized that there's too much loneliness mm -hmm. and what can be done about it and as i prayed through it i was thinking how can you know, people don't just want to be connected. They want to be claimed. Mm -hmm. Like, why are street gangs so popular? It's because, yeah. I mean, the person may internally way deep down know it's not right to mm -hmm. break windows or yeah. kill people yeah. or steal a car. They may know that, but they have a stronger desire to belong and be mm -hmm. accepted. Yeah. And that's just, that's yeah. how God made us. Yeah, absolutely. The need to belong. So how can I communicate? And that's when God really gave me the acrostic of claim. Mm -hmm. And you already know. What <laughs> I do. I do. Yes. But maybe your listeners don't. So this really, if you claim your, how can you claim your people as a leader? And what's cool about this? is that a leader in the business world or, I mean, your podcast is to encourage leaders in the mm -hmm. church. You can yep. do this in the business world. You can claim your people in the church, in nonprofit. You can claim your spouse. You can claim your children and you can even claim yourself. And the big message is God has claimed us. It is, it's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So go through that acronym. So it claim is an acronym. So tell yes, us what that is. is. The C and you know, the answer to this, if people to claim people, you want to let them know that they are chosen, chosen, they're chosen. I mean, think back, I don't know if you had the PE class that everybody does where the coach says, all right, we're going to have dodgeball. We're going to pick, you know, the teams and you're a team captain. And then there's always the, you know, the ones that get picked first. Yep, they yep. awesome. And then there's the one that would rather be in the library reading a book and they don't <laughs> get chosen and they, it affects us. Yeah. So in, as you're leading people, the very onboarding or the recruiting style says a lot about, mm -hmm. I mean, do you just grab some resumes? I don't even know if they do resumes the way they used to. They, they You fill out the form and the computer prints out something. Mm -hmm. but, um, but to know that you're chosen and, and, the leader affirms that they want that person because of who they are and what they bring to the table. And I'm glad that you're here. Even if you've inherited a team that you're leading, mm -hmm. you can still 
affirm them as choosing them you you know if you're married you got chosen and it, it, it's not a very good marriage if you never mention the fact that you're glad that you're married to them mm, yeah yeah i mean hopefully you're affirming you're choosing so yeah. there's that's the c the l is easy everybody should know what that is people want to know that they're loved mm -hmm. and of course you have to be careful what does that mean in the workplace with all the side conversations that happen yeah. but this this is talking about an unconditional acceptance it as a leader except loving a person giving them a secure and safe environment not that they won't be critiqued for mm -hmm. improvement but a leader that has a loving attitude that communicates i want the best for you mm -hmm. i i love you enough that i want the best for you and some people may say well it's business world we don't need any kumbaya huggy kissy stuff well <laughs> we're talking emotional intelligence mm -hmm. having the right attitude and having um just being that person that is accepting someone can approach with i messed up or maybe there's a better way to do this i have a suggestion you know being that loving approachable leader yeah the a is for people want to be acknowledged which means seen and heard too many times we don't just stop and acknowledge a person for their existence not all you know and then there's not being acknowledged for what you accomplish or what you bring to the table but three very simple cost-efficient ways that you can acknowledge someone and Zach one is use a person's name hmm. it what it's saying yeah. is I see you have your own identity you're not just hey you yeah hey guy hey you yeah. Zach and you practice this when you're out in public and somebody has a name tag on they're serving you call them by their name like I do every morning I say hey Tina I'm here for my drink after I worked out you know mm. and getting my caffeine um so using a person's name in a conversation one two and we are so not doing this anymore with this screen time stuff mm -hmm. look people in the eye when you're talking to them and especially in our consumed world mm -hmm. when you're online all the time find the camera yeah look in the camera because you can reach through those lens and see the person on the other side and the third way is when you see someone smile at them mm -hmm. do you know that a smile is more contagious than the flu science proves it wow and when you smile it releases happy chemicals you know all those dopamines and all that stuff yeah and when you smile at someone if you can catch their eye 
physically they don't even know it but involuntarily they respond with a smile so mm -hmm. you're giving out free drugs <laughs> that are legal yeah so that is another way and, and there's a whole bunch about how to acknowledge a person's differences the culture they're from their personality their learning styles their communication all that stuff and but we'll be here all day because this could be a three-hour workshop that I could do <laughs> you know the I is invested in people want to know that you've got some skin in the game if you're leading them yeah. have you invested well you can invest a bonus that's always nice but it doesn't have to be money training to help them do their job better hmm. um equipment you know are, are you giving them everything they need for the job that you're giving them but the biggie the same way children spell love t-i-m-e hmm. yeah giving your investing in people yeah. your time and sometimes that's just having a conversation and listening hmm. just hearing what they have to say actively listening and not being standing still and having not saying anything but thinking, what am I going to say when they quit talking? Or we said we'd quit talking so I could go on to the next person. <laughs> but act, act, actually listening. So mm -hmm. investing time. And then the M is made for greatness. Mm -hmm. People want to know that I've got, well, I've cheated. I've got two phrases and one word for the M. Made for greatness and you know, the verse that says we are his workmanship created mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus for yeah. good works, which God prepared beforehand mm -hmm. for us to walk in them. Our greatness is walking in the works that God prepared for us to do. And they're tailor made for us to do them because he made us where yeah. we can accomplish them. Right. And right. that is living in our greatness. And when we are living in our greatness, the next M is we're going to make a difference. Hmm. The world needs us to be who we were created to be and do what we were created to do. Because the last one, the M, we matter. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the gospel, God chose us. And because he loves us, he acknowledged our need of a savior, invested Jesus in us hmm. so that because we matter and we're made for greatness. Yeah, that's so good. So there's that. So Thank powerful. you, Jesus, for giving me that message. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So looking at the church, you know, specifically, um, there are, I think there are probably areas um, that the church does really well. Um, if you look at that claim acrostic but and there are probably some things that we need to work on just from your experience because you've spent a ton of time as a pastor's wife in the church um over the years you know what what are some areas that you feel that the church maybe needs to get better at and what what are some areas that the church does really well you feel it's hard to make a comment generally speaking mm -hmm. because every church is different sure Sure. I will tell you that because of my passion 
for helping people feel like they belong, mm -hmm. I was really focused on um, assimilation. Mm -hmm. Like when a visitor would come, we would get to know them. Well, we would, oh, thanks for visiting church. You want to come home and have lunch with us today? <laughs> yeah, which, uh, you know, I was pretty much prepared for. Sure. I mean, I already was fixing plenty of food. This is true. This is true. There wasn't a couple of more mouths. <laughs> and, <clears throat> but because I was so focused on that and saw the results, you know, people felt like they belonged and they got to know the people in the church well. I was very surprised when eventually we moved to Durham for a church and my husband retired. Okay, we're back in that having to find a church to go to. Mm. So we looked for churches that were where we had been, you know, planting a church, building a church, starting a church, growing a church, whatever, so that we could serve because mm -hmm. my husband preached for 40 years that everybody is a, a missionary. Everybody's a minister. Yeah, There's yeah. no sitting soakers get involved mm -hmm. so we thought okay well now we'll go support somebody else we would go to a church we would find the influential leaders you know mm -hmm. the key people and introduce ourselves and say hey you know nice service or we appreciate what you did da, 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 and just wanted you to know that we're around and this we went to probably four or five churches crickets hmm. no follow-up wow. no no outreach hmm. it's like so are we that intimidating wow and it was like okay so i would yeah. say that's one area uh -huh. but if you have like the church that we are now visiting because my husband took a year to be a supply pastor out of town uh, we went to jacksonville uh north carolina for a whole year filling okay. in while we were helping them get their pastor yeah okay but so now we're back on the Los Punishers. so we've been visiting a church and there's hope here we we walked out and met the pastor the head pastor and we mentioned something about my husband was retired and he goes do you want to be retired you do not know the power in that question yeah it was like first they heard us and second maybe they would allow us to serve mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. That is, so that is part of the leadership. The other part of leadership in churches generally is it's, it's important for the leaders to remember why we have a church and the goal of the church. Mm -hmm. That to lift up Jesus and honor God is the purpose of the church. And if a leader, well, if a leader hasn't accepted that they're claimed by God, and if they're not claiming themselves, 
you have to claim yourself. You choose yourself in a way, you know, the verse, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. People are scared to say, I love myself. But how can you love your neighbor if you're not loving yourself? And part of loving yourself is giving yourself grace when you need, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that you are spiritually fed mm -hmm. and acknowledge your need, your needs. Yeah. yeah. All the, your physical, mental, social, emotional, all your needs. So a leader needs to know that they're claimed and claim themselves mm. to lead a church. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is really good. Well, do you have, cause we're kind of ending our time here together. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd maybe want to leave the listener with? I do. I've mentioned it. I want to remind every person here that you are made for greatness mm -hmm. that your pebble of your life thrown into the ocean of the world can make ripples on every shore yeah if you are being who god made you to be mm -hmm. so go forth and be great yeah absolutely absolutely well, Dia, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, before we hop off, how can the listener connect with you on social media and learn more about you? I made it very simple. I've got a website, diaerby.com. And I am Dia Irby on Facebook. I would love to connect. And on Amazon, Dia Irby author. I've got my claim book. I have some devotional journals and I have some, some very booklets for parenting because people ask how, why have your people, your children lived all over the world? They've lived on six continents. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's like, well, either I was a really bad mother and they had to get as far away as they could <laughs> or I opened up the world to them and they mm -hmm. saw it as an adventure world to, and, and they're open to God to wherever he would send them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, we will make sure um, I'll put your website and Amazon page, all of that in the show notes for the listener as well. Um, so that wraps up another episode of the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead betters. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and share with others. It does help more than you know, and we will see you again next week. Okay.